This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Deb? Just great, Andrew. How are you this morning? I'm doing really well. It is such a beautiful day outside. We have been really, really lucky with the weather over the past couple of days. It has been nice to be able to get outside, go to the water, socially distance at all of the outdoor restaurants and stuff like that. It has been It's been a good time to be outside. It is just beautiful. So we have a couple of things to talk about. We'll keep this one short, just kind of some brief updates. Uh, I think first off, we can just mention that Father's Day is coming up this weekend. It's a special Father's Day for me, and I know it is for Miles as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaliyah's husband Brody, because we all had babies this year. So this is our first Father's Day to to share together. Right. And so, so how do you feel about that? You know, I I was tasked with putting together a piece for The Pulse this week, and it was the first time that I actually kind of put my thoughts to paper, and that was a really oh. good experience because I've been having all of these thoughts and emotions and plans for the future and all of this kind of stuff, but actually writing it down for the first time felt real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I guess you feel like when you become a parent, that switch is just going to flip. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that it does for everybody. It didn't for me. Like I didn't go like, hey, now I'm a father, right? Mm. Um, but trying to identify as a dad moving forward is like is something that's happening slowly for me. It's a gradual awakening. Right. And and it's exciting. And I, I think that, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll all come to... Uh, it'll, it'll all come to light this weekend on my first Father's Day. I'll be like, now, I, now I'm a dad. Now I feel it. But <laughs> probably not. There will be that moment when it happens. And perhaps it's the first time that he says, da-da. So, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, fathers and, you know, we were, we were looking for uh, all fathers pass down unique things to their children. And we were scouting around for, you know, some of those uh, unique skills that are passed down. And so I met last Saturday um, with Chewy uh, Haregi and his son, 11-year-old son, Fernando. And Chewy, as a lot of people know, is one of our most skilled horse trainers. He's known in some circles as a horse whisperer. And he has been uh, working with his son, who has been working with all of their horses, as well as the Mustangs that they get from the Bureau of Land Management's Wild Horse and Burrow Program. So he's been a part of that program as a trainer since 2008, and he gets a Mustang from them and trains them within 100 days to compete in the Extreme Mustang Makeover. So Fernando's first competition is going to be June 25th through 27th, and it's a virtual one. And it was just a really, really fun thing to be there and take photos and watch how well his son actually handles this one-year-old filly that was a wild horse just 80 days ago. Right. Do you have do you have experience with horses and all, Deborah? I totally don't. I uh, never grew up. Well, with them. you know, I did. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I took hor- English writing lessons, and I absolutely loved horses. And my my parents refused to get me one, and so I actually adopted a 
Shetland pony named Trinket, who was a neighbor's, and that kind of quasi became mine. But I love horses, and it's just really a great energy to be around them. I mean, they're just such majestic animals, and Mustangs are so spirited, you know? Right. Yeah, my wife was really into horses growing up, and she took riding lessons and that kind of stuff. And it's something that she's wanted to get back into, and I've always wanted to try too. And I know that there are lots of opportunities to ride horses up here in Door County, so yes. that is that is something cool. And this Mustang program is just like another cool facet of it that you might not know about. Right, it is a little bit controversial, and uh, the Bureau of Land Management, you know, tries to uh, manage the herd by by keeping the numbers down. Otherwise, there's not enough rangeland. There's not enough resources for the horses and apparently they multiply quite rapidly and a herd within you know five years can grow by like 20 percent so um as chewy said you know some people think that the horses should be wild and um should not be rounded up and then you know given to trainers who then adopt them out to private owners once they're trained. But he he really thinks of himself as somebody who's rescuing these horses. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at both sides of it, too. But, um, you know, hopefully the, the horses are living good lives and they're going to, to good owners and that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and, and if it helps the, the ecosystem as well, then yes. I think that that's a plus. Yes, cool. definitely. Well, why don't we move on to kind of our big topic for today? So, over the weekend, uh, there was an article in The Pulse about Sturgeon Bay purchasing riot gear. And this kind of blew up on our Facebook. And I think that we can kind of talk about both, you know, how it started, what happened, and where we are now, but also kind of give some more context into what this, uh, like the timeliness of this and, and what it actually means and that kind of stuff too. So can you walk me back to kind of the beginning of this story and tell me what exactly happened and then we'll move forward from there. Well, the beginning of the story, it started with the uh, the County Public Safety Committee, which is the oversight committee for the Door County Sheriff's Office. And Sheriff Tammy Sternard had requested 34 sets of uh, personal protective equipment, which would be a helmet and shield and a plastic shield with two handles that uh, the deputies could use in the event that they ever needed it locally or if they were... Uh, going somewhere else for for mutual aid, um, which does happen. Right. So she brought that to our public safety committee, and because it was an unbudgeted item and it was less than $10,000, then it could be approved there and then sent to finance where it could also be approved. Um, and then it would be in, in play. Uh, if it were over $10,000, then it would need to go to the full county board. In any event, um, the sheriff told me that she had received requests for mutual aid and took stock of the equipment that they had and realized that they didn't have the equipment that they needed in order to be able to provide that mutual aid. So, you know, one of the uh, maybe fortunate or unfortunate things that have happened with the public protests that have taken place, most of them are peaceful, some of them are not. This brought to light, uh, for her anyway, in what she said, that they didn't have what she called a basic minimum equipment. Um, it wasn't, you know, the the batons, it wasn't full body gear, it wasn't the the kind of riot gear equipage that you see when you're watching videos where protests turn violent. 
Right. And I think that we should we should double down on kind of the context and the timeliness of this, too, because mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know exactly like if you don't know the full context, this seems uh, this seems bizarre to come out right now with in the midst of all of this that's happening uh, with, you know, police being largely unfavorable in in the media and in, in reporting and in, in how people are in just the the, the, disc, the discourse right now, too. Mm-hmm. And so to see that Door County is looking to buy riot gear seems like it's coming at like the worst time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're like. Did the protesting have to do with this? Like, was it spurred on by the protesting? Or is this something that came up like, oh, we needed to do this anyway, and the timeliness just lined up in well, that way? really, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a question that only the sheriff could really answer. And in terms of, of what she told me is that she received requests for mutual aid and recognized that they didn't have the equipment that they needed. Um, now, if in the larger context of this, if these public protests were not going on, then mutual aid would not have been requested for this type of thing. And perhaps they wouldn't have known that they didn't have this kind of gear. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, some see it as unnecessarily aggressive. Some see it as unnecessarily uh, inappropriate given the background of the protests that are happening. And there are others who, you know, align with the, the sheriff and that if she believes that she needs this for, to keep the community safe, to keep her men and women safe, then they trust her to do that. And the sheriff, I mean, this was a difficult decision for the finance committee. Um, they ultimately did decide not to support it. And that just happened yesterday. Um, and the, this was after a public comment was taken and after, uh, you know, almost 90 minutes of discussion. So the sheriff herself said that she had heard from many different people from both sides that she understood both sides, but her highest responsibility, again, was to protect the community and to protect her uh, men and women in her department. Right. Yeah, I think that people's knee-jerk reaction to this was unfavorable. Mm-hmm. And I, I I totally get that, given the circumstances. Once you have the full context, maybe it makes a little bit more sense. Um, but I, I do think that the, the, the timing of this, if this had happened last year, I don't think anybody would have bat an eye out at it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that it's happening literally right now, uh, it, it was kind of the perfect storm of like, mm. this is not going to go over very well in the community. And it didn't. Right. And and we saw that it didn't. And it is understandable when calls are uh, being made. I think I just read this morning that the Milwaukee de police, police Department, they're thinking of cutting the budget by 10%. In order to be able to uh, put those dollars uh, to preventive education, mental health issues. And so at a time when money and resources um, are maybe being funneled in other directions in response to this, you know, this was something that was buying gear. So, yes, necessarily, you know, people did have a very strong reaction to this. Right. But it, I think it's worth men- mentioning that this wasn't like we need riot gear for Door County. It was more like we need right. this in, so, so that if we need to assist another county uh, for mutual aid, then we have the gear that we need to do it and to yes. do it well. And you never know. I mean, and and the sheriff even said, does she believe that there's that they would need this gear in Door County? No, she doesn't believe that. But preparing for the unknown 
is something that they need to do. And there are other pieces of equipment that, um, you know, firefighters and law enforcement officials, you know, don't necessarily use all the time. But it's just having that, you know, equipment available in case they did need it. Right. It's it's the tool for a job that might come up. And it might not even come up here. But having mm-hmm. that tool available um, allows our police department to be more flexible mm-hmm. in that way. So right. It, and it the good sense. thing about it, I mean, it, it did create a lot of conversation about how resources are being spent in the sheriff's office. And those types of conversations don't happen very often. So overall, this was a very positive thing. I mean, most of the comments on both sides, even though everybody was very emotional about it, they were very civil. And, you know, that helps guide and enable a conversation. Uh, if If this didn't happen, then this conversation wouldn't be happening. And people are now more aware of, you know, A, how resources are actually acquired for the sheriff's office and what that process looks like, and people engaged with that process. Right. The finance committee doesn't normally have to make decisions like this. You know, things come to them, and they're just looking at the dollars. Can the budget afford this? But they were actually dealt with this particular decision, something outside their their typical purview. Right. Uh, is there anything else today that we need to talk about? We just wanted to kind of give the quick update on this because it was a pretty big story and it got yes. a lot of people talking over the weekend. Uh, is there anything else that people need to know today before we, we head off? I think we're good, Andrew. Great. Uh, make sure to listen to some of the, the episodes from last week. There were some really good ones with Aaliyah Kidd talking about new businesses in 2020 as well as uh, some expanded outdoor dining options in Door County. Uh, we also had Mike Holmes on from Wickman House, Taco Cerveza and Trixie's talking about how he's kind of transformed his businesses this year. So it's a lot of great stuff to listen to. We'll be back later in the week with some more news and some more interviews as well. Uh, but just wanted to do kind of a quick update on, on this bigger story today. So Deb, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Andrew. I look forward to chatting with you again too. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.